Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. I like doing it. You know, I love running routes. We better be in Florida. It better be sunny. And there better be some sort of fruity drink involved. With Matt Harmon. It seems like you know ball the way you talk, so. <laughs> Thank you. Someone clipped that. Looking forward to facing your mom at some point. Last night at the bar we were at, I had some really bad cases. I've never had no bad cases, really. It's Tuesday, September 6th, and I hope you all had a great long weekend, but enough of that, enough of the fun, enough of sunshine and, you know, Day drinking, all that nonsense. It's time for serious business because we are now mere hours away from the start of week one regular season football. Awesome, electric. I I feel the excitement within me. Later on in this episode, speaking of exciting, we'll be joined by uh, Buffalo Bills wide receiver Stefan Diggs. Ever heard of him? What a great, great run for the podcast here. Um, So, yeah, that's going to be exciting. Super great. Looking forward to that interview, but even better, honestly, even better than that. I get to talk to my guy, Mr. Andy Barons, about the games we are most looking forward to watching here in week one of the 2022 season. Andy, what's going on, buddy? Oh, I'm excited. I haven't totally given up the day drinking. Um, I didn't realize that was a requirement, but but I'm on board with everything else you said. Absolutely. Really excited to hear you ask Stefan Diggs uh, what it's like playing with Bill's number one receiver, Gabe Davis. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Uh, I can't, <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait to get into all of that with Stefan Diggs, you know, how he feels about Dalton Del Don officially, um, you know, moving Gabe <laughs> Davis into the 1.1 pick in fantasy football, uh, you know, all that stuff, all the important stuff. But Andy, you and I have a lot to talk about here. Um, honestly, a couple of thoughts here. Number one, I'm excited to watch all of these week one games. So like I could have just hi- like we we highlighted each individual game. Pick You picked three. I picked four. I could have highlighted them all. Right. Right. That, that's exciting. But I will say this, Andy, I knew you were the right man to pick for the pick for the, the co-pilot of this episode because you, my friend, are one sick puppy. <laughs> and I say that in, in, with all the love in the world, my friend, um, you know, Matthew Barry just recently wrote his first love hate uh, article at his new site, NBC, uh, or his new destination, uh, not, not a new site, his new destination, NBC. And he wrote in there, you know, that an NFL conversation and a fantasy conversation, like they're not mutually exclusive. It's, it's a one for one thing. I will say, however, you know, you're having a week one. We're excited to watch 
these games or whatever when the some of the teams that you have highlighted here are are are, are in the the lineup so let's start with your first week one game that you're excited to watch andy it's the 49ers at your chicago bears i mean who isn't gassed up for the Velas Jones, Byron Pringle, uh, <laughs> Equinemy of St. Brown offense? Yeah, it's funny. I went, I went through the the list of games first, and I picked out a handful of games that I was interested in uh, in talking about. And then you went through, and I was like, oh, we're we're picking good games. Oh, I see, I see how it is. <laughs> I, I picked basically <laughs> nothing but, you know, probably terrible real life games, but it's our it's our first opportunity to have some some pretty meaningful fantasy questions answered and that is certainly going on at least in my mind uh in the in the Niners Bears game and we can we can set aside the Bears right like Justin Fields obviously coming off a pretty impressive preseason performance against like a junior varsity version of the Browns but like I don't know we're only starting so many Bears hopefully you know you could have a perfectly happy successful fantasy season not starting any Bears so don't even worry about them but we have questions on the Niners, right? And I think that this is a matchup in which the Niners are probably going to give us, you know, it's it's almost unimaginable that the Bears run out to like a three-score lead or something like that. So this is, we're going to get a, basically a version of what the Niners intend to do all year. We're going to sort of see what, what normal game script looks like for uh, the Niners when they're quarterbacked by Trey Lance. And if that results in something like, a, like you know, uh, 30 pass attempts, 30 rush attempts, cool. That's great. Um, that everybody can, everybody can eat in an offense like that. But if this is a game in which they just run the ball like 45 times and Trey Lance attempts 19 or 20 passes, it's it's a little it's a little bit of an uh oh, right? Because you can't support um, George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, and Debo Samuel if we're never throwing the ball. So that is a that is probably the biggest question for me in this one. Again, on the on the Bears side, there's a little bit of an open question about the the backfield mix, um, whether it's going to be entirely David Montgomery show, whether we're going to see a lot of, uh, uh, Khalil Herbert mixed in, but for the most part, this is really about, really about Trey Lance, who now also has this Jimmy Garoppolo shaped cloud hanging over him. That's another thing. Yeah. Um, I also, you know, again, I, I want to keep saying this and, and it's like a thing that, you know, I've been saying a little for the last few weeks, last few months, really the whole off season, but th- this is the, um, this is what week one does, right? It like it takes whatever your priors were and like can immediately put them in the blender. Um, so, <laughs> you know, you, br- you bring up the Trey Lance thing. And I, I, I do want to just, again, even with the Jimmy Garoppolo cr- cloud hanging over him and everything that we've had with this new contract for Jimmy, bringing him back on the roster, I still want to leave open, you know, even if it's just the door cracked a little bit, that Trey Lance might come out in week one and just like, melt everybody's faces and be really good um i I think the the example i come back to a lot and obviously there's kyle shanahan connected tissue here is robert griffin the third uh with washington in his rookie year i mean there was nothing that preseason that would have led you to believe like oh this is gonna be real exciting this you know i mean robert griffin was an exciting prospect but it's not like they showed anything in preseason um also bring up cam newton as well with the carolina panthers cam actually looked horrific in his first preseason game. And then he comes in like, I mean, he wasn't perfect in in his first start, but he threw for like 300, 400 yards against the Packers in his first game. And he did that, you know, consistently as a rookie. He, he so came there out is with like, like back-to-back 400-yard games, yes, right? Like something like that. That wasn't right? even what we were excited about with Cam. Exactly. And the Griffin example really is um, is pertinent because I think it was week one against the New Orleans Saints that year in, in Robert Griffin's rookie year. And he just like, 
lit him up, you know? I mean, it was really exciting. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, forget every like concern you had about this. This is something different. It's something new. Mike and Kyle Shanahan have designed this crazy offense around this guy. And he's taken like pretty much exactly what I think Kyle hopes that Trey Lance is going to do for his offense. Just take it up to the next level. So there is a chance that week one, you know, and I, there's a lot of Niners fans that I follow that basically will tell you, you know, and, you know, not not in the Dalton Del Don section, but like, you know, on Twitter and stuff like that will tell you <laughs> there is no coach that cares less about preseason than Kyle Shanahan. Like the guy really could not give a damn about what what goes on in the preseason. So there is a chance that Trey Lance just comes out in week one and like like knocks everybody's pants off, basically. For sure. It's it's why this game is so interesting. If you know, if Trey Lance didn't have like QB one overall upside, I probably wouldn't have listed this game. Um, it would be far less uh, uh, compelling to me. But the the range of outcomes for him is everywhere between QB one and loses his job after eight weeks. Right? Like it's it's crazy. Um, and this this is I think going to be uh, you know uh, at least one early game where we just get a complete understanding of the way they want this offense to to look week in and week out. Yeah, I maintain that the Jimmy Garoppolo thing will be more of like a media talking point than an actual yeah. thing at any point this year. But the way you silence that media talking point is like come out and you know have a good game against the damn Bears, right? Like yep. just don't even make it a thing. Like Trey Lance is kind of the I mean, this is always the case with any player's, you know, career for the most part, but like he is kind of the the, the captain of his own destiny here, you know, that, and that he can kind of decide how this whole story is going to play out. So I agree with you from the 49ers angle, certainly want to watch this game. Don't really care as much about your bears, but uh, I mean, I'm also <laughs> interested in Justin Fields too. I mean, I do want to see what this offense, you know, looks like around him because in the preseason, at least, you know, that game against the Browns, not from a results perspective, but like a structural perspective, the way the offense operator getting him on the move. It's like, oh, this coaching staff seems to actually care about designing an offense that might work for Justin Fields. Yeah, it was really exciting. And again, it was a version of the Browns defense that didn't have Garrett, didn't have Clowney, didn't have Ward, right? Like any of their key players. But I mean, he was 14 for 16. Like he did everything that you would want him to do with three touchdowns, no picks. Um, it was great. Um, and it was a, it was an opportunity to see Justin Fields when he has time and when the receivers can get a little bit of separation, that's what it can look like. That is, that was really encouraging. Yeah. A couple second year quarterbacks with layers of questions. Sure. That's an exciting game. Um, I will go chalk and I'll take for my first game, the opener, <laughs> <laughs> the Thursday night opener bills at Rams. Um, Heard look, of them. Sure. For, sure. Yeah. But I, I mean, there's a couple of guys on each side of the ball that we want answers to. I mean, let's start with the bills and we've already said Gabe Davis's name. I mean, if, don't play a drinking game with Gabe Davis's name on this podcast. I'll just say that because we've already <laughs> mentioned him a ton. I know he's going to come up with digs later and we'll talk about him here. Look, I, I do want to see, you know, like what's Gabe Davis's usage. Is he really going to play like 90% of the snaps, you know, along with Stefan Diggs? Uh, probably um, I want to see what the target distribution looks like. Is Isaiah McKenzie going to play? Uh, we talked about that with, with Scott last week, like the injury situation with McKenzie, you know, is he going to roll out there in week one after, you know, winning the slot receiver job? I just want to see how these targets are dispersed for the bills, right? Because I've maintained all off season that I think Diggs is up here in a tier by himself on this offense. And then everybody else kind of files in around Gabe Davis, McKenzie, Dawson Knox, you know, all these other guys down there. But is that, Am I wrong about that? Do I have to take my Gabe Davis priors and you know all of us centrists and anti-Gabe Davis folks 
and again, there's a, I'm not with either of the extremes on either side of the aisle. I do want to maintain the center here as much as that is humanly possible. Do we have to take all of our priors, though, and throw them in the blender with, with Gabe Davis? I think there's a chance that maybe that happens. And then on the Rams side, too, Andy, there's a ton that, that we want to see. Uh, I don't think we're worried about Matthew Stafford's elbow right to second in this game, but... And I mean, Andy, for God's sakes, I'm excited to see Allen Robinson on the Rams, right? Like, I've been excited since the moment the signing happened. I've been dreaming about this in my fantasies, my fantasy fantasies, for, <laughs> for like five years now. Yeah, the, uh, the some of the biggest questions that are going to get answered here are with each backfield, right? Like, I, I think we have a sense for the receiving hierarchies on each team. Um, but, you know, Cam Akers is getting drafted still as no worse than like the RB 20 RB 21. Oftentimes there's somebody in a draft who's, who's much more bullish than that. So like, and again, I've, I've talked about this before. Every time Sean McVay talks about his running game, he mentions Henderson. Um, they, they, yeah. he never just goes on and on about cam Akers. That just has not happened all preseason. Uh, Sean McVay, by the way, might be like the one guy who cares less about the preseason than Shanahan, right? Yeah. <laughs> like Sean McVay, not, not even playing anybody. doesn't even risk anybody. I love it. Um, but that backfield is, you know, a bun bunch of open questions there. And of course, the last time we saw Cam Akers, you know, he was he was a gamer. Good for him for getting out there and playing, uh, uh, you know, six months after the Achilles surgery in the postseason. But he wasn't good. So that has to change. And we'll just see how many touches he's getting. And then on the other side, I like I well, still your boy Kyron Williams even is getting pop from right. From, right. From um, Sean McVay super successful this, player at uh, uh, Notre Dame, a couple of thousand yard seasons. Um, so like he, he could be involved to some extent. And then on the other side, it's it's I, I'm thrilled because I have him in a couple of dynasty places. But uh, that the Devin Singletary has continued to basically dodge all the bullets right like they haven't added a significant player other than james cook who they added like we we think they told us uh, initially that this was really just about a receiving role for him so uh, you know how many touches does singletary get because he was great in what was it his final seven games last season playoffs included he was handling 18 19 touches a game he was getting touches inside the five like i'd love to see that continue for him and then the yeah, just, you know, it, it bears repeating on Gabe Davis. He did finish the regular season with a three catch performance on 14 targets. And then, he you know, we've, we've all kind of swept that under the rug because he finished the postseason with 200 yards and four touchdowns. But like the truth of Gabe Davis is somewhere in between those two things. And those are yeah. those are dramatic extremes. Yeah, or it's going to continue to just be the truth on Gabe Davis, and he's going to bounce between those two ranges all, all year. I mean, again, I'm, I'm excited to hear what Stefan Diggs says about Gabe Davis later in the show. So um, I will also say, too, just with both of these teams, I'm always curious how teams respond to just a load of pressure. You know, I think the Bills have a I mean, the Rams have won a Super Bowl, but there's still, I think, some decent pressure on them to repeat and not just be like a flash in the pan. But I mean, the Bills have basically been crowned all offseason as all offseason as the the favorite in the AFC, a stacked AFC. They're still largely, you know, kind of everybody's favorite to go represent that conference in the Super Bowl. Um, you know, we talked with Justin and Austin about this for the Chargers, like playing amid all of those expectations and how you have to kind of like dial into to just focusing on one game at a time I think the Bills will be fine I think they have a great culture but I'm still nevertheless interested to see like as they roll out in the debut um debut game for them and the, the entire season how they look and how they sort of responded to that after you know a 
not ideal last few weeks, obviously, with the situation with the right. rookie punter and, and having to deal with that from the outside as well. Yeah, no, this is, uh, again, this is going to be a great game. Like, like this is going to be an absolutely great game. There's no reason it shouldn't be it, it shouldn't be incredible. Um, I, I was not aware that we were allowed to pick great games. Uh, I, I wish I'd known. I might have, I might have, you know, there, there are better games on the on the slate that I that I probably could have called out. Hey, this I'm the type. I'm of just guy embarrassed by this next one. That's all. <laughs> no, I, I'm not going to go to that that one next. We'll we'll finish with that one because I love to finish on a high note. I'm a, I listen, Andy. I'm a guy that when I hand out like an assignment, I love to have it be open ended because, like I said, it reveals who a person is, and you are one sick puppy. You you really want to see <laughs> some bad teams, but we'll save that one. We'll go first to this one. This one does have two teams that we one we expect to be really good, and one we'll see about. You pick Chiefs at Cardinals for your second game. Tell us why you're excited to see this one. Yeah, I mean, this is my one good game with um, exciting players, right? The 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 next one that's coming. Oh, boy. Um, but Chiefs and Cardinals, a lot of open fantasy questions here. Obviously, we know that uh, Patrick Mahomes is as great as it gets. Um, but we have we have pretty significant open questions with regard both to the the receiving hierarchy and the backfield hierarchy, right? Like how much is Isaiah Pacheco going to play? He was like, you know, your Twitter feed was full of Isaiah Pacheco throughout the summer. Um, made a lot of noise. How much are we actually going to see him on the field? How much of this backfield is, is CEH? Is he a 50% guy? Is he a 60% guy? 40? I don't know. Um, there's a lot, there's a lot of fun names there. And then obviously the receiving core, we think it's Juju at the top, but there's like, there's like 270 vacated wide receiver targets here. So <laughs> there's there's room for more than just like Juju's not taking all those. He's not getting 200. Maybe he gets 160. That would be exciting. He could have a dominant fantasy season on like 160, 170. But there's like 100 left over for MVS and whoever else. So what does the receiving hierarchy look like exactly? Um, how does all this function? And then, man, you, you talk about a team that is facing injury issues heading into week one. All of a sudden, we're not sure about the status of like Rondell Moore. We're not sure about the status of Zach Ertz. Obviously, DeAndre Hopkins isn't going to be on the field for the first for the first six games. So it's been like the weirdest ever offseason for the Cardinals. They, they give a huge contract to a quarterback who doesn't even seem to like his team. Um, <laughs> and even when they hand out that contract, it's got weird language in it that makes everybody mad. Like. The, the Cardinals have just been a bit of a, a show in the offseason, and now they have some some really poorly timed injuries. So can they can they even keep pace? And then we have a the secondary question of like, who's behind James Conner in the backfield? I'm that's still not entirely clear to me. I've got a little bit of Eno Benjamin in some deep, deep leagues, but not that you're rolling him out there in week one. But I am interested in in what's behind Conner and what Conner's usage looks like. Yeah, and, and sticking with the Cardinals for a second before we go back to the Chiefs, like <clears throat> my biggest criticism of Cliff Kingsbury is that he's always been so static with his player usage. And God, I feel like if he does that again this year, it's just you'll know from the jump, right? You, you'll kind of and it will definitely get a good idea once DeAndre Hopkins is back because it was so it was weird as hell that in the first year of the DeAndre Hopkins experience, they just stuck him at one side of the field. And I just can't, I know this is like sort of football nerdy stuff, but you know, this guy's taking like 80 plus percent of his snaps at one side of the field. That's like some college football. You know, that, yeah. that is so yeah. it's, it's beyond rare for a guy to even be 60 plus percent on one side of the field in the NFL. So that was beyond weird. And then last year when Hopkins gets hurt, they just, 
don't adjust at all and they just throw Antoine Wesley in that position and like don't even change the offense at all and you know going from DeAndre Hopkins to this Wesley character is a, a little bit of a downgrade so um you know I'm interested to see I, I agree with you like Rondale Moore in this offense is he got a different role than he had last year and um, that's probably my number one question like where does Hollywood Brown line up within the context of this receiver core that's been so static um I'm really not trying to see like Marquise Brown, you know, play in the DeAndre Hopkins role. I'm trying to see him just be in his own individual role, and you know, and that, that we figure that out the rest of the season. And on the Chiefs too, I've pushed back on this idea that like they need to find a new identity um, with without Tyreek Hill because I feel like they kind of already sort of found it towards the back half of last year. From week eight on, Patrick Mahomes had a 70% completion rate, eight eight touchdowns, two interceptions against zone coverage last year. From week eight on, like that is. Good. That's what they needed to do, right? They needed to sort of figure out that too high world. I think they already kind of have, but it's still nevertheless going to be interesting to see how their offense is molded now without a game-changing talent in Tyreek Hill. Yeah, I, I'm not going to go so far as to say that Juju is a game-changing talent. I don't necessarily think he is, but Tyreek also leaves like, it was something like 23 red zone targets last year. Um, Juju's a good fit for that, right? Like, I'm I'm just, I have so much Juju Smith-Schuster, I need to see him have like a 9-target, 10-target game. I, I know that it's not going to look like Tyreek, but yeah. I don't need it to look like Tyreek. You and I are on the same page there. I've got a lot of Juju teams, and I would love to see like a big week one from him. All right, Andy, I picked at least one game that had a Joe Flacco starting in it, okay? So like, don't feel completely <laughs> bad for some of your picks here. I picked Ravens at Jets for my second game that I'm most excited to watch. And like I said, I agree with Matthew Barry that uh, a, a fantasy conversation, an NFL conversation is one and the same these days. But sometimes if you're a fantasy fan, you just got to say, I want to see what, how the Jets roll out in week one. OK, like I I imagine that Elijah Moore is going to roll out there as the true number one receiver because that's what the preseason usage has showed us. Um, but I do want to see that really be a reality like I really want to see that actually happen. Right. Like in, in a real game, not just a preseason game. And I'm interested too, like. With uh with the backfield rotation, is is Michael Carter really gonna come out there, you know, and out touch Brees Hall by five, ten touches, something like that? I, I don't know, because you know, this is sometimes I think we've almost gotten a little uh carried away with preseason usage, don't you think? And that like, sure, Michael Carter is running ahead of Brees Hall. And I think Michael Carter's a good draft pick, and like i I had him ranked ahead of his ADP for most of the offseason. But still, like Brees Hall can come out there and, and rip off like five big runs or something. It's like, okay, now this is just the Brees Hall show because, and, and nobody cares about preseason usage ever, ever again. So th there, there are questions there uh, with the, the Jets offense. And then on the Ravens too, I mean, look, I, I want to see Lamar back out there playing and um, you know, I want to see how the rest of the pass catching rotation files in beyond Mark Andrews and Rashad Bateman. And look, I, 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 let me just go to the brand here. I'm excited about a game that features Elijah Moore and Rashad Bateman. Sue me. <laughs> I'm I will also say on the on the Ravens side, I'm I'm super interested to see what they do with Isaiah Likely, um, who had a yeah. literally a perfect preseason. Right. I think 12 targets, 12 catches. Almost all of it seemed like it was yards after the catch, too. Like he was great and he was he was so great. And again, preseason. I don't know. Maybe this is a maybe this is a Marquez Callaway story or something like that. And he just goes away. But sure. um, it like he was so good. It's it's hard to imagine that they don't have two tight ends on the field a lot and that we don't see him as something like the the number three passing option in the offense. And I, I don't know if they can support a third passing option. 
I just know that Likely was great and and emerged as somebody who is clearly an NFL caliber player and might be somebody who can pop early in his career. And you don't have to think of him as as perhaps strictly someone who will only have value if something happens to Mark Andrews. Like he looked like a guy who needs to be on the field all the time. And I'm totally with you on uh, on Elijah Moore in particular. Like I would love to see Elijah Moore just sort of emerge as a completely QB proof wide receiver. I think that's within his range of outcomes for sure. And like a big week here against the Ravens with Joe Flacco as his quarterback would definitely prove that. Yeah. And on the defensive side too, the Ravens have really are probably undergoing an identity shift on that side of the ball too. You know, Wink Martindale and his, I mean, nobody says F it uh, like Wink Martindale as a defensive <laughs> coordinator, you know, a lot of man coverage, a lot of pressure, a lot cover zero type stuff. Um, I think that the Ravens kind of grew tired of that live by the sword, die by the sword approach on defense. And they're sort of changing their identity a little bit. And that that stuff does matter for how we uh, project matchups from a fantasy angle, you know, wide receivers against the Ravens and stuff like that. So I, I want to see that as well. And uh, they got they got yeah, some man, dudes I, back too, right? And the Ravens by the end of the season yes. last year were just entirely out of defensive backs. And so they finished, I think, last in the league against the pass and pro probably by a lot. Like they were terrible at the end of the season, but that's not really who they are. Exactly. Yeah, that that is definitely not who they are. And, and honestly, I mean, the Joe Flacco revenge game is mildly interesting. <laughs> uh, like, I, I will say mildly interesting because I, I don't know. There was a couple of moments with Joe Flacco in the preseason where it was like, oh, my God, are we, are we really like we're really doing this? But um, then there's a couple <laughs> other moments when he just like he's running the offense fine and stuff. So I'm, I'm interested to see how he performs against his uh, his former team there. All right, Andy. Go ahead. Let's let, can't avoid it. You can't avoid it. This guy, Andy Barron's people. I, 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 we're picking game, week one games. We're most excited to watch. We've got the Raiders and Chargers. <laughs> We've got you know Packers Vikings. I didn't pick Packers Vikings because we just talked about them uh, with Scott on on uh, Friday's episode. I mean, and this guy. This guy picks Jaguars at Commanders. So, Andy, I mean, don't you have any respect for your mental health? Don't you have <laughs> any respect for your mental health, Andy? Like, oh. you're, it's, like these are two teams, maybe. Maybe you'll talk me out of it. But you are two teams that, like, by week eight, you're going to be like, oh, good God, I got to write about this these guys maybe. again. Like, come on. Maybe. Um, I, you know, what's what makes this worse is that this was actually the first game that I highlighted. I didn't go immediately oh. to Chiefs Cardinals. <laughs> I went right to Jags Commanders. Um, and I will say this has almost nothing to do with the commanders. I'm not particularly interested there. Sure. We, you know, we may have had an open question about the backfield, but that got answered through the terrible situation with Brian Robinson. So that's just going to be Antonio Gibson. It's mildly interesting um, how much uh, usage we see from from Jahan Dotson. I'm a little bit interested there. But for me, this is entirely about the Jaguars, because I don't think, you know, in an offseason in which we saw like. Devonte Adams replace Zay Jones and basically AJ Brown replace, you know, Jalen Rager. Um, I, the biggest upgrade that any team made by far is the Jaguars getting rid of urban Meyer and replacing him with like an adult, seemingly competent head football coach, right? Like that's incredible. Um, I like what we've seen from the Jaguars in the preseason. I like how much they have Trevor Lawrence on the move. Um, I like all the bootleg stuff they're running with him. Like, I think that offense could be pretty fun. And now they're getting a commander's defense that, uh, you know, no, no chase young, um, not intimidating to any extent last year. So like we should see, like if, if the Jaguars are like ready for prime time, um, we're, we're going to see a little something. We get a healthy ETN. There's just a lot of stuff here that, that, 
Um, we have some unanswered questions in terms of, you know, how does James Robinson look? Is he really going to play? Like he's on this, he's on this Cam Akers Achilles recovery timeline. That's pretty crazy. Um, but it seems like he might be good to go. And, and then we've got ETN's usage is a, is an open question. And I just, I just love everything that I've seen from Lawrence really in the preseason. I, like, I know this, I know this receiving core isn't great and they had to overspend because of the hole they dug themselves last year, basically. Right. They just had to throw all this money at, at Jones and, and at Christian Kirk, but, but it is a better receiving core. And I have, I just have all the faith in the world in, in Trevor Lawrence. Like, I think that guy's a huge talent who found himself in one of the worst situations that I can recall, um, an NFL team spiraling into last year. And so, um, I'm, I'm super anxious to see what this all looks like. Again, this has nothing to do with the commanders to me. I I'm just, I'm excited to see the Jaguars in a situation where I think they can legitimately score, like, I don't know, 28, 31 points and be pretty fun. Um, I think Trevor Lawrence can be a top 12 fantasy quarterback this year. And the other thing about him doesn't get talked about enough. Like he's totally a member of the, of the dual threat club. And we, we, we don't talk about him that way. We don't think about him that way, but he was a great rushing quarterback at Clemson. And some of his best highlights were like long runs against good teams. Um, he had some really nice moments last year, rushed for over 300 yards. Like, I think that can be a real element to this offense and he can, he can make a, like he has enough rushing ability that he doesn't need to throw 35 touchdown passes to be like a top 12 fantasy quarterback. I think that's definitely in the range of outcomes for him. Yeah. Listen, I'm, I'm excited about Trevor Lawrence too. And just seeing this and, and, you know, you talk about Devonte Adams replacing Zay Jones in this massive upgrade here, by the way, Zay Jones is one of the starting receivers, most likely for the Jacksonville <laughs> Jaguars. And he's a massive upgrade on the two guys that were like, Trevor Lawrence's primary pass catchers beyond Marvin Jones last year and Laquan Treadwell and freaking LaVisca Chenault who have yep. both been kicked to the curb here. So yeah, it's a huge, huge upgrade for Trevor Lawrence there. Um, the adult in the room, by the way, um, I think there was, a, was one of his press conferences recently. I saw um, John Shipley tweet this out. Doug Peterson, like talking about what he's going to be doing over the you know long weekend. He's like a three day bender or whatever. And it's like, that's the adult in the room. That they got. <laughs> <laughs> And he's still much more than uh, of an adult than uh, than than Urban Meyer, uh, Bourbon Meyer as. Uh, but as but like with Urban, that's really what he would have done. Right. With yeah. Doug Peterson, it's a joke. <laughs> it's a joke. It's just a guy having fun up there. I mean, like he's Doug Peterson's actually joking, having fun in the press conference. Urban Meyer just like it's oh. so funny. Like you, one second of a press conference, you know, like, wow, Urban Meyer literally wants to be anywhere else other than <laughs> other than here. Um, I, I think that most people probably want to be anywhere else other than wash, watch, watching the Washington Commanders <laughs> in week one. But listen, Andy, I, I'm joking that you're a sicko. I'm as much of a freaking sicko as you are. And I am, I, I still, I can't quit the Commanders receiving core. I can't yeah. quit the idea that I can, I'm, I'll say it out loud. This is a safe space. I, I'm Matt Harmon, and I love the three wide receiver set of Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson, and Curtis Samuel, and I can't wait to see it. And I can't wait to have my heart ripped out, you know, by Carson Wentz at various points throughout the year. But I, I think this game, like, there's always one, like, beautifully bad shootout uh, on on the, on the every single, you know, week schedule in the NFL. Like, this I could actually see being one, because as much as the Jaguars have improved their offense, I'm not sure that they're there defensively. And Chase Young not playing for the Commanders, you know, still at, th at this point in the early season. And, and this was a pass defense that was laughably bad. And I don't have a lot of faith in Jack Del Rio and the boys, like, figuring it out in your, you know, in a second year here. 
So there's a there's a scenario where this game gets pretty interesting from a fantasy perspective, uh, like value plays and DFS and stuff like that. I've got two more here, uh, but I'm gonna pick, I'm gonna just throw the good game, which is most likely Buccaneers and Cowboys uh, in the trash, and I'll get down in the muck here a little bit with Andy and talk about Eagles at Lions. There's a lot of reasons to be excited about this game. Of course, we want to see the Eagles. Do they? Like, what identity do the Eagles come out with in in week one? I know the consensus opinion is that they'll be run heavy again. I think that's probably the most likely outcome is that they'll be at least a a lesser but still run heavy version than what they were last year. Nevertheless, I I keep coming back to the conversation I had with Devonta Smith uh, this offseason where he was like, we could come out, you know, one identity and then be another like if it's not working and or we feel that we can do one thing better by the way the proof is in the pudding of that they did that last off season they came out super pass heavy and when it's like wow Jalen Hurts isn't ready to do this and he's throwing to goofball receivers we can do, we're just going to go run heavy he's not going to be throwing to goofball receivers this year you know he's going to have AJ Brown out there I can't wait to see what AJ Brown looks like in this offense you know and I mean the, they, they got Trey Sermon now in the backfield. So if they do want to be a dangerous <laughs> running game, they can so do they that. Fixed that. Yeah, so, <laughs> so they fixed that. And then on the Lions side, of course, there's plenty of intrigue over there. Like the Lions have been sort of everybody's like whisper, I'm excited about the Lions type of uh, team all offseason. And I, I think there's plenty to be excited about on that side of the ball, too. Yeah, I, I fully agree on the Lions. We've we've talked about this a handful of times. There's this sort of open question about Amon Ross St. Brown and whether yeah, I mean, I, my feeling, I think your feeling is that he's pretty much got to be a nine to 12 target a game sort of player. He was too good yeah. last year. And then where does that come from? Right. Because that's not, you, you know, they're, they're, that has to come from somewhere. Does it come from Hawkinson? Does it come from Swift? That probably has to ding somebody somewhere along the way, unless we think this offense as a whole is just going to make a leap and is all of a sudden going to average, you know, 27 points a game, 30 points a game, something like that. So the Lions definitely interesting. The Eagles, so interesting. Jalen Hurts is coming off a season in which he was the QB nine and he only threw 16 touchdown passes. Like, so it's not hard to make an art, like with a guy like that, it's not very difficult to make an argument that he can be the QB one. Um, uh, Like he's very much in that conversation. If he can just get to 20, like even a low passing touchdown total, can you throw 24 touchdown passes this year? Can you throw 26? If he can, it's probably going to be the QB one because he, I mean, he rushed for almost 800 yards last year. Um, he was absolutely great on the ground. Um, you're, you're right. Like they just flipped a switch in the middle of the season. They were like, yeah, you know, this passing thing, I know it's modern. I know it's trendy. We're just going to go ahead and play like it's 1977. We're just going to run the ball all day. And, and like, it, like it worked more or less. Um, it was fine. If they're going to decide that they're a passing team again, that's kind of fun because they've got AJ Brown in the mix. So yeah, I like it. Everybody, I, I haven't heard anybody within the fantasy space be be down on uh, Jalen Hurts in any way this offseason. Like everybody's kind of racing to be like the the high person on on Hurts. He's a really exciting player um, who had almost no contributions as a passer last year. If he just has a few this year, again, QB one is definitely a, a possibility. Yeah, it's funny, and then. I feel like the Eagles can still get to the end of the season and be like, oh, are we sure about Jalen Hurts? Which is crazy to say, (laughs) but um, I I do think that's within the range of outcomes, even if he's like the best quarterback in fantasy, but probably not. I feel like if he has that type of season, then then they'll they'll try to figure out a way to continue riding it with him. I'm glad you brought up Amon Ross St. Brown because he is a perfect player, like we said, with Gabe Davis up at the top where 
your expectations of him, you're going to probably have to throw those in the blender after seeing like one game, you know, because um, if you are, and I, look, I'll, I'll I'll go the optimistic side first because I think you and I are both on the optimistic side with this particular player. If he goes out there in week one and he plays almost every single snap and he gets even eight targets, like I think you're going to have – if you're on the negative side of Amon Ross St. Brown, which I still don't really understand the negative case for him – you're going to have to kind of adjust your expectations right away and be like, oh, this is an every week, probably an every week high end wide receiver, too, because they've des- they've essentially designed the offense around what he can do. And I just I mean, I just look at this team, the Lions, and I don't think you want to be funneling seven targets a game to your running back, who I think is DeAndre Swift is good. But like, is he Alvin Kamara? I'm going to say probably not. Is he Christian McCaffrey? I'm going to say definitely not. You know, like you don't want to be throwing a ton to that player. I think Hawkinson, no offense to to Iowa tight ends here, Andy, <laughs> but I think he's fine. But like Amon Ross St. Brown has already showed more special potential in just a handful of games than TJ Hawkinson has to this point in his NFL career. Different position, but nevertheless. And it's like DJ Chark is their second receiver and Jamison Williams is not going to play. So like, why is there, why would Amon Ross St. Brown not project for like eight to 10 targets in week one? I, I, I don't know. There's, he's just a player I think people will have to adjust their expectations on. But on the negative case too, and if he goes out there and he sees five targets and is clearly third in the pecking order, you and I are going to be sweating a little bit after week Huge. one. Huge. Huge problem. That that was actually the number that I had in my head too. Like, if this is a fun back and forth game, and it seems on paper like it should be, and, and the you know final score is something like 28-24, and Avin Ross St. Brown walks away with five targets, that is a, that is a huge flaming problem. Yeah, I, I agree, man. It would it would be bad. Um, and and definitely AJ Brown's a guy that like your your expectations will have to adjust one way or another based on what you see in in week one. Uh, and Please, God, don't don't let this be like a four target AJ Brown game in week one. Please don't let that happen. Um, I, I will just touch on since we got a little bit of time here. I will just touch on my last game here that I picked because I picked four Bucks and Cowboys. Andy, there's a lot to be interested about on the Buccaneers side for not how not sure how interesting the Cowboys are in week one. I mean, I feel like we kind of know how their operation is going to go, although I want to see if Dak looks better than he did to end last season after kind of playing through that calf injury for the most part. But I mean, the Bucs shoot. I'm excited to see what Julio Jones looked like. We did we did our um, players with the widest range of outcomes piece for the for the site. Uh, I think it went up on Friday last week and. I picked Julio Jones because, like, I I also picked Darius Tony too. But but Julio Jones, like, I think he could go out and be like absolutely cooked, or he could be like a high end wide receiver too in fantasy football, and I wouldn't be surprised one way or another. Yeah, guys like that, you know, I mean, I I, I don't know if you would agree. I I I would put Julio Jones in like the most inner circle of all time receiving talents. I think Julio yes, Jones in his prime was just as good as it's ever been. Um, like a like an almost moss level player and and oftentimes those guys age differently right like obviously julio jones is just not at the age where we're particularly interested in receivers he's got a little bit of an injury history um but a little bit but but those are the guys well you know we also like we saddled julio jones with the with the injury prone label because he would often limp out of games but but that guy had like a nice five or six year run where he barely missed any games. And and I know yes. he was limping around. I think a he lot, played. He, he played. Yeah, played through a lot of injuries. Played through which a I lot think of stuff. Till, till and we never give guys credit for that. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, we, we never give guys credit for that. And that, and that you know, uh, enhanced his reputation as an injury-prone player. But, so, you know, these these are exactly the types of players who have great seasons late in their career. Like, you know, Jerry Rice going off at 40, uh, Randy Moss going off well into his 30s, right? Like, so it's not, it's totally within the range of outcomes for Julio Jones to have a big season here. I'm just, I'm excited about this thing because it was like the regular season game of the year last year. Like, they, they, they're running this game back yeah. in opening week is really fun. Like, there's only a handful of games that i have actually rewatched in the off season um uh, one of them of course the chiefs and bills and another one is this is this bucks cowboys game the the sneaky thing i mean people will remember this as soon as i say it about the bucks cowboys game last year is that the dallas didn't even try to run right like remember zeke uh finished the game with yes, like 12 touches something right. like that so like don't don't be panicked i mean the the Tampa Bay Bucks are going to be a good run defense again. Don't be panicked if if it's the same situation with Zeke and they're like, you know what, we're okay. We're going to just to, to show that we recognize the run as as a possible weapon. We're going to do it eight times. But don't be surprised. I, I think if Zeke finishes this game with like ten touches, fourteen touches, a low yardage total, maybe he sneaks something in when they get down to the goal line. Um, maybe he does something as a receiver. But if he has a quiet week here, it doesn't like you don't have to like. Oh God, I got to take him to the, to the, to the trading block because, because this is a disaster. <laughs> Tony Pollard has taken over. Like, just don't, don't panic. That's very good advice, Andy. Well, I, I got to say, I can't wait for 365 days from now for you to tell me that one of the games you rewatched in the offseason, one of the few games you rewatched in the offseason <laughs> was Jaguars <laughs> at Commanders in week one, baby. Right after you finished binging that Justin Fields versus Trey Lance, uh, <laughs> super excitement fest. Can't wait. What a perfect gag here, this entire thing. Uh, what, a, what a great thing, Andy. You're, you're the man. I appreciate you joining me for this. We'll be right back after this quick break with Bill's wide receiver, Stefan Diggs. Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you. The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and JJ discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. Joining me now. You know him, I mean, primarily from the intro to this show, but he's also the king of reception perception, the wide receiver positions, premier technician, your favorite route runner and mine. It's Buffalo Bills wide receiver, Stefan Diggs. Stefan, buddy, how's it going, man? I'm awesome. I appreciate you having me on. Uh, it's been a while. Nice to, nice to catch up here. Absolutely, man. It's been too long. But uh, let's dive right into this. The season is I mean, literally right around the corner. You guys are going to be here in L.A. in just a few short days. There's a lot of expectations on the Bills this year. You know, we just had Austin Eckler and Justin Herbert on the show talking about, you know, this feeling of being like all in. And I was very curious about you guys are kind of in that same position, too, in a really stacked AFC. Do you feel that within the locker room? Does that like permeate within the team or is it more something that we just talk about on the outside as media members? Um, I hate to say it, but it's more so like an outside media thing. Like we kind of live in that ignore the noise world as far as uh, expectations. But it's nothing wrong with having expectations. You know what I'm saying? Everybody, everybody, uh, you can't shy away from expectations because expectations were centered around you. you know what I'm saying for a good reason. If you're a good team, mm -hmm. 
it's usually because people want people want to want to see you do well or don't want to see you do well for that matter. So as far as that being a being a fortunate enough position to be looked at as a good team, it should it should make you feel good, but it isn't a good it isn't good enough to win games. So for us, uh, it's more so ignore the noise and uh, we got a, we got a good makeup of guys too, the type of guys that we got, the grinders, the guys who got drafted late or you know what I'm saying, like we're counted out and kind of mm-hmm. build their career based off of being a, that chip on your shoulder guy. So I feel like uh, we just got a good culture. So as far as like the expectation, it's more so everybody, we all know what we actually expected to do, but that's any team in the league. You know what I'm saying? People, they really expect it out of a lot of people as well. So more so putting your left foot in front of your right. Yeah. Listen, um, I told Austin Eckler as he's, you know, hosting an episode of this show with me every week during the season. I said, like, a lot of what I want to do is bounce off dumb media ideas that I have. And you tell me as someone on the inside, like, whether that's just complete nonsense or not. So no problem with that answer. Um, You did mention something I wanted to talk about, which is that, you know, a lot of the guys on your team sort of even Josh, right? Like, he's a guy that was kind of doubted when he was coming into the NFL. You guys have that underdog mentality i mean you could go back and pull up some of those old draft receipts about folks saying stuff about josh allen and it's a looks pretty tough but you're definitely one of those underdogs uh stefan and like i i can't believe honestly now that the first time we met was like coming off the 2017 season now you're like that was when you were just kind of starting the rise and now you're very established what sort of has changed with the way you prepare and go into games and go into entire seasons now that you're kind of, you're kind of that like grizzled veteran guy now. At this uh-huh. Yeah. You're trying, to, you're trying to find a nice way to call me old and I appreciate you, but I mean, I'm older than you pal. So <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> but it's, uh, it's been a long road, especially anticipating where I was before and the way I thought as a player, like um, I feel like where I am now in my life, I was, we all, when I say we got that makeup, those guys with chips on your shoulders on our team, that's why it's hard to even get into that realm of, uh, you know, living in for the expectation or living like that because we all came in a certain kind of way. So you're not going to change the makeup of what you are and how you are as a person, you know, as far as uh, having success or not. You continue to either be that and you exude that or you uh, kind of like fall into the trap, but nobody's falling into the trap. I feel like that's just not how those guys are. We, we're, we're wired at least. Um, and now... I'm saying going into my eighth year, I'm definitely a little seasoned. We will we'll say seasoned, um, and having this having the success in the recent years uh, equate primarily to opportunity. You know what I'm saying we had spoke about that. Uh, I remember years ago, and uh, I'm I'm really just blessed to be in the situation I am. So part of being blessed is nurturing those relationships that I got, those new relationships, and you know having that new quarterback, having a guy that you know have somewhat of a similar makeup as you, as far as like being counted out because. Um, you, yeah, I can, I can bring up a lot, a lot of, a lot of, you know, I want to say bullshit that they were saying about Josh when I first got there. And, 100%. Uh, since I got there, I was like this. I never saw that guy. Like I never experienced the guy that y'all said he was, or you know, saying they were saying like Josh is inaccurate. But when I get him, the ball is hitting me in my chest a hundred miles per hour, and I'm like, damn, he's mm-hmm. up a little bit. Like so, it's like I, <laughs> I can't relate to the, uh, I can't relate to the noise. So that's part of me ignoring it. Well, that conversation you and I had about, you know, wide receivers being misunderstood because of opportunity and because of stats, like, you know, different guys are in different situations and everything. I think quarterback, it's the same thing, too. You know, you look at, you know, and it's no disrespect to anybody, but you just look at some of the guys that Josh was operating with early on in his career. And then as soon as they start bringing in guys like John Brown and Cole, I've always been such a big John Brown fan, such a big John Brown fan. But, yeah, uh, and then they bring one of the best. I know, man. I, I miss watching him play. Um, and then they bring in you the, the next year, and it's like, oh, yeah, then the stats for the quarterback starts to follow. I, I just feel like that's always 
like people are just not good at like viewing guys in isolation. And I think that you guys see that on the inside, but some folks on the outside don't. It's hard to, it's really hard to evaluate talent without having talent around it. You know what I'm saying? As mm -hmm. far as like the quarterback position, that's one of the hardest positions to play. You look at a guy like Tom Brady and they say like, oh yeah, he was playing with guys that were like damn near off the street. But if you go back and look at those guys, those guys were pretty good football players, especially yeah. considering they had good careers. So part of having a part of being a good quarterback, you it's, you got to have weapons, you got to have good decision making, and then like other than just sheer talent and you know arm strength and accuracy, you got to make all the right decisions. But it's the quarterback's that position that you get all the glory when you win, and when you don't win, you get all the you get all the heat too. So as far as like uh, positioning wise, I just feel like it's it's really hard to evaluate a guy if you don't give him any weapons, especially a quarterback, because mm -hmm. you're only as good as who you're throwing it to. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, like, I hate to bring back up Tom Brady, but you see Tom Brady, a seasoned veteran, winning when they had Randy Moss and they blew all these records and things were so crazy just because, look, you know what I'm saying? You put talent around talent, good things usually happen. So uh, it's hard to evaluate a quarterback. And Josh, Josh was one of those guys that fell into a great situation with Smoke and Cole Beasley. Uh, two of my favorite wide receivers to ever play this game. You know what I'm saying, guys? I played alongside him. You know what I'm saying? That master, that thing of getting open. So I always kind of hang my hat on that, that. You know what I'm saying? Like, as a quarterback, I can't imagine how hard it is for other guys. You know what I'm saying? Because they, everybody needs that. I think everybody needs, like, a wide receiver one. Everybody at least needs some guys to build around rather than, you know, kind of like you've come in to get, coming up, you coming up with, like, two, two young players. Yeah, you'll be good one day, but it's kind of hard to evaluate you as – as you're uh, as you're being assessed. Yeah, I mean, you you know this about me. The the only way I think that you know you can isolate wide receiver talent is to go and watch and chart every route and see how often they get open. And frankly, I don't recommend anybody else to do that. Like, go outside and have a real life. Okay, leave that sicko work to me here. <laughs> but you you mentioned some of these guys coming up, and I I want to talk to you about Gabe Davis specifically uh, because man, you probably don't know this, but there is like an all out civil war in like the fantasy football circles about where do you draft Gabe Davis this year? You know, you know, my buddy Dalton who hosts a podcast with me as well, he's got him ranked ahead of like Mike Evans. And then there's other guys that are still really doubting, you know, in terms of what he's going to do. So I want you, someone on the inside, someone, you know, that, that sees Gabe every day. The fantasy breakdown. I got you. Uh, yeah. And man, I want you to tell me like, what, what can we expect from Gabe Davis, a guy who's, flashed a bit early on in his career and but now he's getting a huge role promotion it seems like uh, it's, we've seen the flashes with the game i've seen Gabe consistently since he's gotten in the league he's been a professional and he's he's made a lot of plays i feel like if you're in the fantasy you damn sure need to be picking up gabe davis as he's had an increased uh job promotion as a, he's right next to me you know what i'm saying it's a guy that yeah. is going to be open he's going to be catching the ball he's going to have a lot of consistency i think i think he's going to be a great <clears throat> a great pick. I don't know how the draft works, but I feel like uh, he's going to be a great pick. But also, don't shun away from those guys like Mike Evans that's been racking up catches and being consistent. I don't know. I don't know what he's like. Uh, what he's like as a fantasy wide receiver, but as far as like being a hell of a talented receiver, he helps his team win games. So, but when you're picking, I think fantasy was really more off of like catches, touchdowns, and X, Y, Z. Pick up Gabe Davis, uh, in my opinion, because uh, Gabe has a knack finding that end zone consistently. You saw a little bit of flash in this preseason. We were trying to keep it safe, so, but he's definitely a guy that, you know what I'm saying, don't, don't sleep.
Yeah, I think he's got a great skill set that complements yours as well. You know, a, a bigger guy that wins in the contested areas. I mean, you win contested catches too. You burn vertically as well. But, like, those are really his specialties. I'm really fascinated to see how he performs as he jumps into that opportunity. Funny you mentioned about the fantasy part of it. Like, you know, again, this is something I talked to Austin Eckler about. He's like, I have no idea that I was going so high in fantasy. And, you know, you're like a probably the he's fourth. A, he's like a gym. He's a gym. Yeah. I heard. He catches a lot of passes. You know, I don't know how they do it in yardage, but he catches a lot of passes out of the backfield. He scores some touchdowns. I, I thought he was like one of those key pieces at some time. 100%. And you are too, man. You're going to go in like the first, early, second round pretty much in every draft this year too. People people are hip to, to what's going on in Buffalo. And same with Gabe Davis. But again, before we kind of wrap up as well, I also want to ask you about some of the other guys on the depth chart too. Like, like I said, man, and, and, I, and I like seasoned. Seasoned is the good way to say it. you're you're the seasoned veteran now, you know. But you know, you got Gabe Davis coming up, Isaiah McKenzie too, man. Like that guy beats man coverage. He's he's smart, you know, finding those open holes against zone as well. I, I know, you know, he's got a little bit of an injury right now, but I'm I'm excited about him taking over that slot receiver position as well. It's gonna be crazy because uh, Isaiah brings another element to the game, and I'm gonna tell you right now, he's one of the fastest players in the league. You know, when he when he gets running, uh, that little that little man, that little that little man can go. A uh, little dirty, fast, and he actually he actually has been honing in on as far as like the receiver position. I've seen him get more polished throughout these past couple of years. You know, as far as like watching bees and being behind right. bees, everybody learns from Cole Beasley. I don't care who you are, if you was on his team, you learned something from Cole. But I thought I like seeing him making that jump. And also Jameson Crowder. If people forget, we, we signed Jameson Crowder as well. Um, so we got a lot of talent. It was even hard to, I feel like this was one of the hardest receiver rooms I've been in. So I was like talented guys, young guys that's trying to prove themselves. See veterans who, you know, trying to continue to have success and um, stay healthy at that. So I feel like it was competitive in our room to make this team. It was, it was exactly what we needed to be so um, to get the best out of everybody. Iron sharpens iron, right? And Khalil Shakir, he's another one. I I really like his game as well. So yeah, you guys are stacked there. Dawson Knox to a tight end. I can't wait. I cannot wait to watch the Bills, man. We got a little preview coming up real, real soon. Let's see. Let's see these pieces work now. Let's see. Let's see. Let's put them to work. Yeah, enough already of the preseason. Let's get the real game started. Well, Stefan, you're here on behalf of Saks Underwear. Tell us a little bit about what you got going on there. I mean, you know, if you as you have heard, or if you haven't, I'm the chief ball officer. I just applied for that position over there at Sachs. Uh They got a new ballpark <laughs> that, that they're that they're raving about. That we're we're getting fully behind me and my uh, me and my other sibling, as you know, Trayvon Diggs. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's definitely some exciting things. It was an easy fit, easy pick for us because, you know, as we know, we all you know I try to get my hands on as many balls as possible, <laughs> but but I try to and I try to uh, I try to make it fun. So it was definitely some good creative, innovative content. Hopefully we can continue to build off it. Yeah, man. Uh, you know, you mentioned you, you, that I'm trying to not say you're old or whatever. I, I'm I'm older than you, man. I'm 31 years old now. I'm 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 over the hill, and and now in my uh, 30s, I, I find well, my wife says I'm collecting a lot of weird stuff: uh, yeah. stickers, stickers, koozies, hats, and uh, shorts, short shorts, man. And, and I, th- I th- you guys got some good stuff over there, so people should definitely go check it out. I'm I'm going to try to, you know, for every touchdown we get is 10% off, but I'm going to try to cut you a deal. You know, I see what I can do. You've been a, you've been a good guy throughout this process every time I've talked to you. So I'm going to see if I can get a package together for you, big guy. Hey, buddy, I appreciate you, man. You're, you're the man, Stefan. Good luck this season. I can't wait to watch the Bills. Man, we're just we're just a few hours away, man. It's going to be exciting. Juice. Juice. Thanks, boss. I appreciate you. Thanks for having me. I'll talk to you soon. All right. See you soon, man. All right, that's going to do it for us. You can follow Andy on Twitter at Andy Barons. Follow me at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. And while you're there, 
Make sure you're following at Yahoo Fantasy. If you like the show, and my God, how could you not like the show? We just talked to Stefan Diggs here. Make sure to leave us a five-star review on whichever podcast platform you're listening on. I will be back tomorrow with, with just Chargers running back Austin Eckler for another episode of Eckler's Edge. Until then, we're out. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.